What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation, and you're listening to Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Go Raiders. Just win, baby. Hey, we're rolling. We're rolling. We got all day. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yes, welcome in everyone. This is the Full at 10 Yards NFL podcast. Hope you're all doing well. I hope you're all enjoying the easing of the lockdown as we march our way on to August, September and the start of the NFL season. Today we have a very special guest making his second appearance on the podcast. We'll get to him very shortly indeed, but we have three men in the huddle. First up, actually both people on the podcast today enjoyed important victories in our version of football this weekend. So first up we have Sean obviously with the Villa, but it's still looking quite on ominous mate isn't it yeah still looking ominous mate it's uh, first victory since january and uh, ironically considering nobody in the bottom half of the premier league seemed to be able to win a game everybody decided to do that this weekend so uh, much needed keeps the four points so sort of in touching distance but still a big uphill battle mate to say the least mm-hmm. uh, absolutely second up we uh, i say for the second time on the podcast and, and for those that listened last time i haven't uh, it was all the way back in may 2019 i haven't actually heard from my wife since then um i, I don't know if that's a bit of a coincidence but hopefully uh, mr nat coombs can tell us uh, that she's all she's fine and she's and she's doing well <laughs> Well, firstly, it's great, great to be back on, on the show uh, again. It's always nice to be asked back because if you're asked to do something once and then you're never here again, uh, then you know, you're in the back of your mind, there's something wrong. And I thought that might be the case because after my appearance on the last show and, and uh, you mentioned, obviously, that you, your wife used to watch the old Channel 4 show back in the day and uh, it was a nice day. She supports my work. Uh, I, appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate that. So I thought that, that yeah, that, uh, possibly that put your nose out of joint and, mm. Uh, and that was going to be the end of it. Then, of course, I thought, well, wait a minute, Sean's a Villa fan. I'm a West Ham fan. This could get quite messy. Uh, and maybe that that could be another reason why I, w- I wouldn't get the call back. Because obviously, we are going to stay up quite clearly. Villa, Villa uh, disappointingly, are going to go down. So the right Claret and Blue team is going to stay. In. <laughs> I wish I had any confidence to say that at all, but I absolutely don't. I still think we'll probably blow it. No, I think it'd be fine to say Mikhail Antonio firing four goals in from nowhere. What the man is a legend. You know, I. I um, I interviewed him a few years back when the season we just moved into the London Stadium. Um, and it was the first time I'd been there. And we did got to do, uh, I was working at the time with Bleacher Report and we did, were doing a, a Facebook Live because they were all the rage back, <laughs> back then. And, um, uh, and it, was, it was with Antonio and we got to walk around the stadium basically and, uh, and film it. Uh, and it was, it was the great thing about that kind of media. It was such a natural conversation because we had a half an hour it was we weren't constrained by a lot of the things that that often you are when you're you know you're doing an interview for, for more traditional telly so we just had a proper conversation at the time I thought his head is so screwed on he's a lovely guy completely committed so to see the success that he's getting now is um is is terrific because he really really deserves it hell of a hell of a player and you know playing in a position that for a long time in his career he hasn't really played leading the line on his own the work rate, I mean, he's, a, he's a, an absolute heavyweight. And is, he, like Tevez did all those years ago, it's virtually single-handedly keeping us up. So, uh, yeah, we love him. We love him. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, it's been a while since, um, obviously, we last spoke to you. It's been a while you know, since we've been able to even go out. I, I noticed that in the background there, you've got a, an exercise bike. How much has that uh, gotten a workout over the last couple of months? I'm on it four or five times a day. Yeah. <laughs> what, are you doing? what are you doing on it? Eating cereal or...? 
uh, eating cereal, making Watching phone TV. calls. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Netflix. It's uh, it, uh, yeah, it has been a, it's been a real lifesaver really because I love, uh, uh, yeah, I love playing football still and um, just being active. And that has been one of the, the biggest challenges. I mean, lesser to a lesser extent now, obviously, but nevertheless, still, and particularly early, early doors in the lockdown when we're allowed at once and, um, Hey, bud. <laughs> You've been infiltrated. <laughs> what a Sean's, what a Sean's, uh, was uh, just a bit on camera. That happens to all the time to me as well. Um, the, uh, the early stages of lockdown, it was, it was particularly difficult. And so that, that has been great. And I was, I was a skeptic, right? So it's a Peloton and, uh, I've, done quite a few shows it's in the back of my shows uh when i'm recording at the moment yeah uh, and yet peloton still haven't been in touch uh, <laughs> i'm disappointed in that yeah. um but it is, it is a peloton and i was a skeptic i thought is it going to be uh, annoying is it going to be lots full of annoying instructors and uh, a bit too full-on and it, it's it hasn't been that at all. It's been great. And, uh, and it's brilliant because you could turn the sound down and just listen to, listen to podcasts and, uh, and put music on. So I've, mm. enjo- I've enjoyed it. Yeah, mm. it's kept me, kept me sane. I can see uh, you, you've also, you've got a fairly short hair compared to, well, not compared to Sean, but compared to me anyway. Um, did you, how, how long did the hair get? Did you support something that Troy, Troy Polamalu or Kevin Keegan would have been proud of? <laughs> nice. Polamalu. Yeah, I went for a kind of late 80s sunset strip metal vibe um, with a bandana and a Harley. I, um, I, fortunately, my my wife is um, uh, fancies herself with the uh, with the clippers. The first time she cut it in lockdown, uh, uh, so I was standing in front of the mirror and she was standing behind me. And we got you know clippers for the first time, and she goes, "Okay, we'll try to work out the level and should it be you know this this." She goes, that, that looks kind of right. She goes, "I'll start with the back." So it kind of moves to the back. The first sweep she did, she did. I just heard her say, "Oh no." <laughs> oh man i could have a proper full metal jacket here but luckily it wasn't as uh, short as that and um yeah so i owe her for this to keep it kind of looking vaguely <laughs> vaguely uh all right yeah. with uh without without trying to make a two again a two striking a, a comparison my wife's been cutting mine as well so i'm not quite sure uh, you know You've done a good job no it's yeah. looking good it's no. looking good um she she apologizes every time as well but there you know what can you do what can you do <laughs> anyway let, let's get let's get to football let's obviously not uh, sporting the till of till, do i say the till of my, the miami dolphins i don't know if that was uh that was intended but obviously you're a bit you're a big miami dolphins fan uh, so i thought it'd be quite good to, to obviously they're a team that are of quite a lot of interest going into the 2020 season should we um end up having one Mm. Um, what, what do you what do you think is is a good season for for Miami in in, in twenty twenty? Could they um, obviously we had last year of, of San Francisco going from you know being the second overall pick to to going into the Super Bowl? Do you have aspirations that high as well? The Super Bowl, baby! <laughs> I that would be those aspirations would be particularly high. I think. Uh, <laughs> however, I I am cautiously optimistic. I think a lot of Finns fans are really. And I think it's a dangerous place to be. <laughs> I think the East is, it's a fascinating division, isn't it? It really is. You know, you've got, the Bills are obviously going to be strong again, given the fact that they've re-upped with, with Diggs, which was their obvious weak link, I think. The, the depth in the receiving core and to get an elite receiver like that, I think is great business. Um, the Jets are a real unknown quantity. The Patriots are that worry me the most. And this is even, I was thinking this before Cam and the Cam deal. I just think everybody's writing the Patriots off far too soon. And they're obviously not going to be a vintage Patriots team based on what we're used to and what we've experienced over the years. But this idea that 
the Patriots are going to be four and 12. And you, this is a, the greatest coach that is, the game has ever seen, frankly. And, you know, one of his strongest lieutenants offensively, a defense that, yeah, has changed a little bit, but it's still going to be highly competitive in a not particularly difficult division. Relatively speaking, it's not. It's one of the weakest divisions in the NFL, let's face it. They're going to be there or thereabouts. As far as a, are the Bills the favorite for the division? Probably. Is it crazy to write off the Patriots? Absolutely. So that, that, they give me cause for concern. Uh, and so this optimism is, is tempered with, um, yeah, with caution. Yeah, I think a lot of that optimism that obviously comes from the the, the selection, obviously of Tua with the fifth overall pick. If you right. cast, cast your mind back twelve months ago, it was all the talk of let's tank for Tua, and it didn't necessarily have to come down to that. You still are able to get your guy at number five overall. How pleased were you on draft night, firstly, with that selection and the fact that you were able to stay put and make that move? There was a lot of talk that you could, you know, potentially use some of that capital and, and make sure you secured the guy, but obviously it allowed you to sort of retool elsewhere as well. So you must have been thrilled, actually, on draft night itself. Really was, yeah. It's, it's a great point, actually, that you make that I think a lot of people uh, have forgotten in, in the blur of... of the draft it's in, in its entirety, but also what's been happening with everything else. And that there was all this buzz, wasn't there, in the, in the two, three days leading up to the draft that if the Dolphins wanted them, they have to, you know, they have to move up. And I know that many years there is often this, uh, this suggestion that a certain team is looking at someone and, and it is smoke and mirrors and stuff gets pushed out for that very reason. But yeah, I think it was a very real feeling that, the, the, that we'd have to trade up to get him. And I was doing the, the draft live with, with Greg Brady, who you know, is a regular on my, my ESPN show, and Will Gavin, of course, part of the TalkSport crew. So we were doing it all together. And uh, it was interesting how actually everything reverted to the original projection. Everything was quite conventional for, for the first six, seven picks, I think. Um, so, so, yeah, I, would, I mean, for, for him to fall to us there, terrific. The fact that we're even talking about him falling, I guess, demonstrates the upside that everybody feels that he has. Uh, uh, It's something I often think about. I had Neil Reynolds was on my podcast, uh, the most recent episode, and he's a Finns fan as well, right? So we were were talking Dolphins, and I asked him, do you think we would have taken two, even if we just had one first-round pick as opposed to three? And he's... He said he felt they would, and I agree with that. I think we would have done anyway. I think he's one of those players that quite clearly is going to excite the fan base, uh, galvanize the franchise if all goes to plan. And let's face it, he you never know, of course, in terms of the NFL and that transition, and, and particularly at the quarterback position. But if you look at all of the quarterbacks of the last 15 years that, that have come out and removing the injury doubt from the conversation Tua has to be up there as amongst the most exciting right the month amongst the most that you think yeah you could really light things up here so yeah very happy to have him yeah no absolutely and you mentioned there obviously that you did have more than that one first rounder obviously you know taking Austin Jackson to sort of give Tua some protection certainly mm-hmm. down the line we will get on to whether Tua sees much of the field a bit later um, and then obviously some mm-hmm. training at the back end I think your selection of the cornerback, who I can never pronounce his name, that's so you'll have to help me. Is we'll it? just go Noah. We'll Noah, just go yeah. Noah. We'll, we'll go, go with Noah. Name. Yeah. 
We'll <laughs> going to have to practice that as well. <laughs> so I think that was probably your selection all along, but probably just get your view on the, the trade with Green Bay because they obviously came up and a bit of a shocker to everybody. Jordan Love coming off the board there. Um, you know, so, you know, from the Dolphins' point of view, your two picks there, happy with those. And obviously just to get your view on the Jordan Love situation. Yeah, well, the secondary, firstly, obviously upping, re-upping the line, it fun, fundamentally important and particularly in light of what we've just been talking about when you're investing in a, a franchise quarterback, then you need to make sure you protect him. Um, the strength in the secondary, and I'm sure we're going to get onto that with the Byron Jones deal and and, and, and the, the team that Flores is trying to build is really interesting as well. So yeah, like both of those picks, with always the way with the draft, right? So uh, Ben Isaacs, who... Yeah, you know, longtime collaborator of mine is our college expert on the ESPN show. He, uh, I have to follow his league quite a lot because I don't know about you guys. I love watching college because it's football and uh, and it's on Saturday, so it doesn't clash. And and you know, I watch a fair amount in that capacity. And obviously, as we get in, it, players are in there. They're going to become eligible for the draft, or as we get closer to the draft specifically, really start to drill down as much as you can. But you can't, and I think unless you're really immersed in it, you can't. I think have a, a an entirely valid opinion on. It. I think this player is going to going to hit or otherwise, particularly as you start to kind of go down the down the board. And so there are a lot of players that people will tell you and nod, yeah, he's a short thing. They don't know, and he, and even college experts will tell you that too, right? So. I have to listen to those who watch a lot more college than I do and, and follow their lead. But based on that, and it's certainly based on what Ben has told me, both of those picks alongside, obviously, Tua, big thumbs up for. So that gives me confidence, right? When, uh, uh, when, when one of my gang who is an expert in that space, you know, gives a, gives a thumbs up. So I think that is already good. Jordan Love was your other, other point. That was, I mean, that was one of the most fascinating parts of the, along with Cliff Kingsbury's house, um, Jerry Jones Jerry Jones on what I think was his yacht <laughs> with I'm not going to make as to who was with Jerry Jones on his yacht uh, the, amongst the most fascinating things in the, in the draft wasn't it the, the, the Packers doing that uh, and I still haven't quite got my head around it I mean I'm really interested in what you guys think about it because I get the I, I, I completely understand why Aaron Rodgers must have been sitting there thinking are you are you kidding me I mean are you uh, are you kidding me so I uh, really still trying to decipher what the hell was going on there, frankly. Mm. What, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one from the standpoint that obviously they've got history with it with, with when they took Rodgers um, to, to back up Favre and Favre was still there for a couple of years. So maybe because it's worked previously, maybe they've thought, okay, we'll, we'll have Joe and we'll, we'll keep love for But wasn't for that different because Rodgers was just falling down yeah. the board? Like, We've got to take him. We can't not take him. He's come to us here. Whereas this was, you know, this was, this was going to get him. Well, yeah, that's true. But yeah, I mean, if you're certainly if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're thinking you're, you're taking yeah, because this is a deep wide receiver class as well. To not even take right. a wide receiver where even where they were, or you know, if they hadn't traded up to yeah, Aaron Rodgers must, must be just sitting there thinking, oh, we're, we're either going to run the ball or I'm going to be run out of town. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Twelve months from now, we see Aaron Rodgers maybe traded away or, or in, a, in a different jersey. To be to be quite honest, but so yeah, it was. Um, it's always interesting, fascinating when a when a new head coach and a new um, front office or yeah, kind of come into a team because they're not they're not uh, don't have to be allegiant necessarily to the quarterback or to to anyone's right. pre- previous draft picks. So whether or not they just really liked Jordan Love and you know saw something in him that you know, can can help the franchise you know, going into the next decade of of the NFL, then I, I don't know. But it certainly certainly it certainly set Twitter alight, didn't it? I I mean that's a it's a really good point because. 
I firmly buy into that. The approach to oh, well, all personnel, but definitely the draft, that ignore what every, all these experts are telling you, ignore what he thinks and she thinks. And if you really want this player, you go and get him, right? It, it doesn't matter if most mock boards have him 15 places down. If he's the guy you want to get, Mike Mayock and the Raiders got a lot of criticism a year ago for their draft. And I absolutely disagreed with that. <laughs> Easy to do that in retrospectively. And I know mm. that Farrell, we don't know, but if that's what you, if these are the players that you want in terms of the incarnation that you're building, then, then go for it. Don't think, oh, maybe I shouldn't pull the trigger here because most boards have him six spots lower than this and I'm going to look like an idiot. In fact, if anything, it, I have respect for GMs that do that because they've got faith in their conviction. They don't care what anyone else is, is, is saying and doing. Mm. So in that respect, you know, props to the Packers. They've, they clearly like him and want him. And, and you make a great point that if he's a franchise quarterback for the next 10 years and they have really firm conviction in that, then it's going to be a genius pick, right? Mm. But it just feels really odd right now. When you look at the weapons around Rodgers, the fact that, as, as everyone talks about, they've only won one Super Bowl with Rodgers. And, and it's the first round pick. And you're like, come on. As you mm. said, this incredible receiver, <laughs> receiver class. And they don't get, get any of them. I think I think it also speaks to what you mentioned earlier about you know everyone coming over from college is there's no 100% guaranteed hit. I think you know what the, the reason for why many college players don't come you know can can't come over and, and replicate what they've produced in college is obviously how their game translates to the NFL. Maybe they just think that Jordan Love can translate to their scheme and what they want to right. do, and that's why they is in. That's why they that's why they picked him, and they say they had the the cajones to to do that. And obviously yeah. they're going to still talk about it for the next. Four, yeah, four or five to ten years because we won't know until mm. the Jordan Love uh, pick is, is played out yeah 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 that's it exactly this is the thing the, high, the benefit of hindsight mm. we can have all these all these hot takes and <laughs> we'll only really know in a couple of years right it could be the next Josh Rosen you never know <laughs> yeah it's never another four air uh, quarterback you've had on, had in your is he still with, is he still with you boys Josh Rosen poor Josh Rosen I mean cool. I, I I just feel he's that this this always fascinates me in the NFL as well he had a difficult, obviously a difficult situation to go into as a lot of first round quarterbacks do in his first year. I, I, clearly something was not right last year, which is why they went with Fitz and then Fitz lit things up. But has Josh Rosen suddenly, was he never really a viable NFL quarterback? Was everybody that far off the mark? And as we've just said, plenty, there are plenty of first round quarterbacks in, you know, in the history of the draft. But it has to happen to someone, doesn't it? has to happen some of them have to be you know but but i i don't think he is necessarily situation as we know is so important mm. in the nfl and and i just feel rosen's had a really unlucky it was a bit like you know bradford when you look back at sam bradford like how many different coordinators he had like every year he was getting a new offensive coordinator and it wasn't a very good team and i mean no wonder you're gonna be behind the eight ball a little bit whereas if he'd landed somewhere else where that wasn't the case, you know, and we compare that to Dak Prescott, you know, who, who, you know, landed, got, got an opportunity because of injury and, and mm. was in a much stronger situation behind one of the best at the time, the best offensive lines in, in the league. Right. And, and, and a decent contending side. So if you, if you drop Josh Rosen in there, you know, in, in a situation like that, we'll be celebrating him now as, uh, you know, one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. So it's, uh, those are the breaks, I guess, but it's uh, unlucky. I just don't buy into this idea that he's, you know, suddenly become a bad quarterback. And I don't think we've seen enough of him. So maybe he'll, you look at the Tannehill and, and how he's kind of re-upped and 
regenerated his career. So maybe, but the Tannehill had a fair amount of obviously a lot of reps. So it was a vet, so it's a it's a different situation, I guess. But mm. yeah, quarterbacks mm. had- sometimes just. Don't get the get the breaks. No, he had well. Tannehill had Adam, Adam Gase holding him back. So um, yeah, you can everyone, everyone, everyone. <laughs> no one can escape oh, escape uh, Adam Gase's clutches. <laughs> um, but obviously, uh, you've right. you've also as, as well as the draft. Now you've seen a lot of um, tr- transactions. I would say during during free agency, we mentioned yeah. obviously Byron Jones. There's a hell of a lot of players coming through the door uh, this season. The blown uh, they've done with the uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio Wolf of Wall Street and just making it rain uh, I, I suppose <laughs> but you know just to name just to reel off a couple of names obviously Byron Jones uh, Carl Van Noy from obviously divisional uh, rivals of Patriots you've got Jordan mm-hmm. Howard and Matt Breeder making up a new backfield um, Eric Flowers which we probably perhaps won't get too much into uh, but again another um, divisional well, you say that you say <laughs> Eric Flowers I mean you know, I guess one of the uh, since he's kind of transitioned up the line yeah up the line in the, in, in, get the math in. right in so he's moved in that's always the you know it's always the book isn't it if you're taking yeah. a tackle first round and they they're perceived as a bust and one of the reasons i guess why tackles uh, other than the obvious in terms of their role go first round is you, you can get value out of them and i know they'll always be perceived a bust if they end up as a 10 12 year guard for you but you still know you're not gonna you could still find a role for this player right and yeah we've got the benefit of that because the Giants paid <laughs> paid big, and we've now got him down the line. And I, yeah, I, I um, yeah, I'm not as down on that that move as others, maybe. But yeah, the, I mean, the big one is obviously well, the, uh, defensively, anyways, is Byron Jones, and we alluded to that, that the strength in the secondary now with the Jones Howard tag team, and the that I think gains extra credence with as a decision with when you think about the division again, right? So obviously the Bills have got a, a, a serious tandem now. Diggs has gone in there. But if you think about the receiving cause of the, the, the Jets and the Patriots, it's not exactly, uh, you know, a formidable depth chart, right? In, in either case in that position. So that gives me a lot of confidence that the secondary is going to be you know, a particularly strong area, you know, compared to if we were in other divisions, they're up against... Uh, more com- you know more competitive receivers so i like that i like the overall the fact that by bringing in i see i like jordan howard i like that move and uh, to often draft fantasy based on i think i might have even said this to you guys last time i was on but based on a team that would have been good four or five years ago <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> for that reason i like jordan howard i love jordan um, howard this year no, I, 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 yeah, I do as well. I think it's a really true move in this team and the way they want to play, which is going to be, you know, obviously no nonsense defense, running the ball a lot. Uh, I like it. I, I like, I like that. There's a lot of upside there for Howard as well with, you know, low risk. So mm. pretty much all of the moves that, that the Finns have made, I've, I've approved of for sure. Mm. Would you say? Would you say with all the, the free agency signings? Because obviously Brian Flores was first year head coach last year, and everyone was thinking, "Oh, yeah, he's just a stopgap for for the next person that's going to come in." But do you think with the the statement they've made with all the free agent signings, this is them giving saying to Flores, "Look, we we liked the way you, you went about things last year. We think that you are now the man to take us forward, and you know here here is our backing of you." Yeah, it, it's a great point. Yes, I do. Exactly that. I think it's a real statement of intent. Uh, I think, that, look, this has always clearly been the plan. And a lot of Dolphins fans, including including me, were sceptical about the extent of the fire sale. I never really understood this idea of selling on players, even if you're selling up high, you, like um, Minka, 
Laramie Tunsil, who are young, who you can build your team around. I get it if it's that player. And, and you know, there are a lot of examples we will see of players that are at a certain age, that are on the market, that are dealt. And actually, you're, you're buying, you're, you, they're being sold high and they, they go into relative decline. Which, of course, is what the Dolphins have done for years, right? So um, <laughs> I, I, I get that. I get selling on a player like that and not re-upping them, where, but not the young linchpins. And that frustrated me. But again, the benefit of hindsight, look at the draft collateral that, uh, that was created. Uh, the fact that I think the fact that Flores got the Dolphins playing competitively to a much quicker than anyone expected into a much higher level than anyone expected in the, the final stages or the final third or, uh, or half, I guess, of last season, uh, gave the, the, the organization confidence that he is the man to, to take us forward. So to, to definitely invest. So yeah, it's a positive, positive vibe at the moment. Yeah, I was really impressed with Flores last year. He impressed me no end. And you could tell the players really brought into playing for him as well at the back end of the season when this media hype had been created around the tanking. Mm. You could see the players just rolled up the sleeves and were yeah. almost more determined to go and win games for him. He was he was very impressive. Um, That's such a good point you make, Sean, actually, because and I think it's often overlooked that there are some teams that are just dismissed because of their record and because they keep losing games and necessarily look at how hard the players are playing or conversely teams that might be eking out a win or certainly on on uh on anybody's radar as one of the weakest in the nfl but really there's a there's an apathy there's an indifference and and you see it as well in in i i, I guess i compare it to those quarterbacks that just have that moxie and that fearlessness like straight away you can see look you uh, forget your at anything else your attributes your, and where you play the game just your head is completely you have got res the respect of your teammates already you're not going to back down you're going to i have confidence in you You know what you do you got composure and same with i think head coaches and flores in, in particular like straight away you got a sense of exactly as you say this team is playing for him i can and they and it, it shouldn't be at all we've just sold everybody good or you know dealt everybody good and it, we could well go 0-16 here. And as you say, everyone, the media's hyping, tanky for tour. And, you know, that can go easily go the wrong way, you know. And it, it, in, in the hands of a lesser head coach, I think it would have done. But that it, it's a really good point you make. That was, forget the win-loss record. It was, uh, this team is playing for this coach. Oh, we're okay then. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. We, we've mentioned how heavily retooled you are, and obviously, you know, there's still more capital to come down the line. If you look forward to next year's draft, there's, you know, there's a bevy of picks there. Right. Um, but obviously, the whole season at the minute is all hinging on does it even go ahead with the obvious current situation across the world? Um, we obviously now should be sort of getting into, or certainly starting to get into training camps and, and pre season and all of that. How, how do you feel the current situation sort of probably hinders the Dolphins with all this new personnel to bring in? Um, you know, how do you think that you know that the players are going to respond to that? It's obviously different and new for everybody, and, and obviously, thirty-two franchises have got the same problem ahead of them. But obviously, with a team that have got such a, a bevy of new talent to incorporate, how do you see that being a factor? Yeah, it's it will definitely be a, a negative factor. I think any any team, whether it's a, a lot of new rookies or a lot of new faces, full stop. Certainly, those teams that have new head coaches are clearly are going to be really up against it so in that respect it's less of it less of an issue for us but that is offset i think by, by so much change that all the free agents as well coming in as, as the rookies so yeah whichever way you cut it it's going to be 
going to be a challenge. I suppose on the, the veteran side, and this is something that I was getting into with J-Bell actually on, on, on my show a couple of weeks back, where I was talk, asked roughly the same conversation about what, what's the, what does this look like from a playing perspective? And the, the veterans, J-Bell's paraphrasing him, was saying they'll be they'll be fine they'll, they'll take care they, you know they've been around the block they know what they're and, uh, proper veterans not i love the way if you've been in the league two years you're a veteran right <laughs> but, you know <laughs> those that have been around uh, byron jones will be fine van noy you know I mean, he's coming they will be they will be fine it's the rookies that it's, it's the bigger challenge so yeah it, for sure it, it, it is a concern and i think those teams that very little has changed in terms of their starters in terms of their personnel on the coaching side are, are clearly going to have a significant advantage this season, no doubt. Mm. Do you think maybe that, a, that's, a, sorry, Sean, um, do, do you think that's kind of offset with, no, with, with the um, Miami Dolphins maybe having a longer term view? Do you think that it kind of helps them in a way because everyone else is so disrupted and um, obviously you've got a, new, a, lot, a lot of new term blood coming in. You have a mm. season where it is disrupted and you can still get to find each other, but then you still have the years two, three, four, five, uh, with yeah. now obviously with Brian Flores kind of guaranteed to be there do you think it kind of helps them a little bit because it you know kind of excuses the, yeah. is the wrong kind of word the pressure kind of, off. yeah 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 it does you're spot on with that I think I think it will you know as opposed to a win now like the Cowboys are going to be under a lot of pressure right they have they have paid out and and they are they're going to need to perform and uh, contending teams that are clearly expected to be that the Packers are going to be under a huge amount of pressure. I mean, improbably given they weren't, it wasn't that great a, a team, you know, how far they got last year. And this is Rogers, you know, they are going to be expected certainly to be a playoff team and, and to try and mount a, a serious bid for, for the Super Bowl again. You're right. Those teams are going to be under the pressure. The Dolphins, no one's expecting us really to, to well, knock Super Bowl contenders and, and you know, the playoffs would be incredible. So yeah, a big time long-term. And I think that will help. I think that will, yeah, ease the, ease the pressure for sure so yeah really uh, really agree with that mm. sorry Sean to cut you in no it's fine my, my follow up question really was just in terms of, of, of Tua specifically just in terms mm. of the, the current situation I mean the, there's probably an expectation that he wouldn't have began the year anyway right um, but you know do you see that he will you know potentially either see the field more or less based on these circumstances yeah don't know I don't know is the answer to that I suppose it if we join the two points together, the fact that there is, isn't much pressure, it, I guess it all depends on where we are midway through the season, as is often the way, right? With If, if a team is appalling, then the clamouring for the rookie, you get the rookie in, sure. Equally, if the team is contending and, and therefore fits his, fits his balling, then you, know, you wouldn't make the change anyway. So uh, those two extremes, if where, what about, if we're in the mix, we're, you know, four and six, we could still do it. I don't know. It, I guess they'll. In an ideal world, I would be comfortable with an eight and eight season, and two on the sidelines for you know, for most of it, if not all of it, and just watching and learning. And uh, having said that, there is no substitute in when it comes to learning for actually going in there and doing it. So getting that timing right, I suppose, when you're not throwing a quarterback into the firing line. Well, you know, the, the old David Carr, Houston example, right? And, and other situations we've seen since then where they're just a lamb to the slaughter, but equally, you know, blooding them in. So it might be the perfect opportunity again, thinking it through that going in when there are four or five games of the season left and we're probably not going to make the playoffs, but hey, let's, get, let's give it a go. And you've had 
three months on the sidelines watching and learning and okay, you're going to show us what you can do. So yeah, uh, I, I guess we're more likely than not to see him play this season. Mm. Enough. Okay, well, before we we got one or two other bits to 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 um, kind of gloss over that's happened in the in the NFL. But quick, uh, quick early prediction for the for the Dolphins record wise. I'm going to say eight and eight, eight okay. and eight. The Jeff cool. Fisher, <laughs> the Jeff, the, the Jason Garrett, the Jason Garrett. Yeah, <laughs> Jason Garrett. Um, Sean. But, yeah, but, I'll, but, I'll, yeah. I think I think eight and eight, nine and seven, something around that that kind of mark is probably realistic. I wouldn't also be surprised if they did have a better record than that and did you know make some noise. Um, like you said, there is always a team that does that every year. Comes from. Yeah from last to first sort of thing. And I wouldn't be at all surprised, like I said, based on what I saw from the way that the team played for Flores last year and the additions that the Dolphins could be that team this year. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. No, I certainly agree. I think, I think with everyone else being behind the eight ball with, with COVID and, and maybe struggling to to put it all together in the, in the early weeks, if the Miami can maybe nick a, nick a win or two against some, some better some perceived better teams uh, I, don't, I don't see why yeah, when we've got seven seeds now in the uh, in the playoffs I don't see why Miami couldn't nick the, couldn't nick the seventh seed but there we go um, obviously talking of seeds uh, the Kansas City Chiefs will more likely be the, the, the first or the second seed in the AFC uh, for, for years to come and that's mainly because of Patrick Mahomes' um, new spanking new 10 year best heart part of half a billion uh, dollar deal uh, now what did, what did you make when that when that came down uh, I phoned my agent and said, why, <laughs> why aren't we talking these numbers with the yeah. SBS? I, um, it, it's a really, it's a fascinating deal for a lot of reasons. Mm. The fact that the perceived wisdom is that it'll get torn up and, you know, renegotiated halfway through anyway. Yeah. Is, is the fact is Lee Steinberg. I remember that, so Steinberg, for listeners who I'm sure your listeners know exactly who it is, but anyone that doesn't, he is the agent that, uh, apocryphally Jerry Maguire is based on who was at the very top of his game uh, in in America in more than just the NFL the sports and and had very uh, publicly talked about battles with addiction and fell from grace and came back and I remember interviewing him at the Houston Super Bowl uh, so the uh, the comeback Super Patriots Falcons comeback Super Bowl right and he and that was the year that Mahomes was drafted Right. So unless my math is totally wrong, it was that one. And uh, the he's and he's a Mahomes uh, client. Mahomes is his client. And he was saying, yeah, that this guy, this guy, I have rarely seen anything like him. And I, I knew of him for the reasons we said right at the top of the show. And, you know, he was lighting things up in college and he was an explosive highlight reel kind of guy. So I knew of him. But he, you know, as is evidenced by his draft position was not a sure thing. Right. And. I remember thinking at the time, Lee Steinberg, one of the all-time legends of this industry, is he spinning because he's an agent and that's just in his, in his DNA? Or is he, is, he, is he legit? It turns out he was absolutely, well, he's probably doing both. He was probably spinning, but he, he was absolutely bang on. And the fact that Mahomes, we talked about that uh, mindset that quarterbacks have, uh, just innate intangibles, they, that they call it, that really fascinated about quarterbacks and different personalities and how they approach it. I'm already fascinated by Eli and how he is not the square-jawed Favre, you know, good old boy type, uh, and yet commanded. At, you talk to Giants players on that team, and I, you know, I have, and, and defensive players on that team. Eli was re, re, complete authority and respect in that team, you know. So it doesn't have to be a certain way, but it, nevertheless, there is a connecting factor that quarterbacks just have this respect factor. 
Mahomes had that straight away. I remember that shootout with the Patriots when he was just fearless. He was just, you know, absolutely, they, weren't, they lost the game in the end, but he was just going toe-to-toe with Brady, Belichick. I mean, you know, so he, uh, and look at what he's already gone on to, to achieve. So the deal is an absolute no-brainer. Mike Lombardi on his pod was talking about players, uh, you can't overpay for players. I don't totally agree with that. You probably can, <laughs> but I do understand and agree entirely with the sentiment that you can't, uh, if you, it, it, well, it goes back to what you were saying. If you have sure conviction and Mahomes, of course it's, uh, but God forbid he doesn't get injured, but uh, assuming he doesn't, he's an absolute lock to play at the highest level for the next 10 years. So it, it, it makes a huge amount of sense. And I think as well, last thing I'll say on it is that if you look at certain quarterbacks, Rogers is one of them, Russell Wilson obviously is another that because of the nature of the way they play and how they can improvise and, and keep things alive and make players around them better and, uh, and all of those different things, it doesn't matter as much that you can't invest in the supporting cast, right? You kind of, it cancels itself out and people are saying, well, you know, they're not going to be able to spend on big flashy free agent receivers anymore. I think you need to really as much as other teams do because you got Mahomes. So mm. yeah, I can't fault, I can't fault the deal. Mm. Just one final, final thing I wanted to get your thoughts on that was uh, obviously it was branded about prior to the, the deal, deal details coming out was that it's yeah. expected to be um, percentaged to, to the salary cap. Were you surprised that that didn't come to fruition? Um, you, do, you, do you think that's the way it will go in the future? Yeah, I, th- I think, I think so. Uh, Greg Rosenthal, who, you know, is a good mate of mine and, uh, and uh, a brilliant uh, writer and broadcaster, uh, was talking about this and saying wrote a really good piece you should read on if you haven't seen it on nfl.com um about this and saying that he was disappointed as well that the deal wasn't like that and uh explain why and I'll, I'll let you go and you know go and read it and, and regret greg's work but suffice to say that i think that it is more likely that deals for that type of player will, will be indexed in, in the future in that way i think i think that is changing and, and it makes a huge amount of sense so yeah uh uh, and yeah, I suppose given how you know progressive an organisation they are, and uh, clearly how uh, very much uh, of the, you know of the moment and a, uh, a, a very contemporary player that they're building for the future around him, that yeah, maybe they should have could have would have done that deal that way. But look, I, I think it, 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 when you wrap it all up, it's a win-win. The best the best negotiation, as they say, is when both sides think they've got something from it and i think uh the best deal is when both sides think they've got something from it and i think that's you know, this is a great example of that right the chiefs think they've got their man Mahomes has got half a billion dollars <laughs> you know it's pretty lee steinberg's probably got a good chunk of that of course <laughs> but yes yeah, so everybody everybody wins absolutely the other big news doing the rounds of course and we're recording this on monday we'll get it up as quickly as we can so by the time the pod comes out we may have some official news but obviously the washington redskins are not likely to be the redskins from some point today Nat. Mm. um obviously you know again another huge sort of global movement isn't it in in terms of the black lives matter campaign and raising awareness um and the redskins name has been something that's been talked about now for a few years hasn't it let's be honest it's not all of a sudden just cropped up but obviously more and more pressure um for that name change and it looks like it's going to happen just your thoughts on that and you know have you got uh, any ideas on uh, any you know potential names have you heard anything from your contacts in terms of what what it could be the washington trumps are, are available <laughs> you can actually i think they're 500 to one um i look i think um 
it's something I remember being talked about in my very first season covering the game professionally. So 2007, you know, this was something that was being discussed. How is this possible? Why is this team playing in the, one of the biggest sporting leagues in the world carrying a nickname that a significant number of people find offensive? And you know what really annoys me about this conversation is all these people saying, well, actually, lots of, lots of, uh, lots of people don't find it offensive. Lots of Native Americans don't find it offensive. And well, okay, fine, but plenty do. Like just because a certain number of people are on one side of the argument doesn't mean that it invalidates all of the people on, on the other side. And when it comes to a subject like this, which is, which is quite clearly and demonstrably to anybody um, clear cut that if something is causing offense of that type, it can't possibly be allowed to, to carry on. And the only reason it is changing, well, I say the only reason, the main reason it's changing is because of money, which is disappointing in one way, but at least it is forcing the change. And you've got, an owner in Washington who has steadfastly refused to tackle this before and respect to those people within the organizations that have uh, a financial, a, a, you know, a partnership and arrangement of sponsors or, or uh, whatever with, with Washington to have put the pressure on to force Snyder's hand to, to make the changes. Uh, great because clearly it is a only can only be a positive thing Schneider will probably look at it and say well you know we're changing the name uh, I can sell more merch and and square things off that way and you know he, he's a businessman and, and I'm sure he'll see the upside of it but that doesn't change the fact that, that something good is happening and, uh, and and necessary is happening and uh, I, I, I can't really understand anyone who would argue against why why it is happening and what and it frankly should have happened a long time ago Mm. completely uh, agree yeah absolutely you say money money obviously unfortunately the the nature of the beast but you know if, if we if we get into where we want to get to then it's yeah it's, it, these 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 things need to happen but um yeah um now before we get you to to plug plug away um just just your quick quick thoughts on the 2020 season do, do you have any doubts or any inclinations that we will have a season obviously there's no international series games so uh no no beef duty for you this year um which i'm sure you're devastated about um, but do you think that with the lack of international series games over here affects the bigger picture for the NFL in the UK and, and, and just your general thoughts on, on the NFL season? Do you think we start on time? Well, to take the first part of that question. I, no, I don't think the international series is, is jeopardized in any way or certainly the international series games in, in the UK at all. I, I, I don't think there is a connection there. Uh, it's disappointing, but obviously completely understandable why the games have been cancelled and like on a selfish personal level, I'm gutted because every time I, I'm able to anchor a, a game at, uh, at Wembley, or at Spurs, Twickenham, wherever it is, it's an it's an absolute privilege, and it's it's really something that I never take for granted and uh, aim to enjoy as much of and soak in as I can. Not least because, irrespective of COVID and and far more important things than me, uh, you look at it and think this could be the last time I ever do this, and that's the nature of the business I you know we're in and. Uh, you can't ever take stuff for granted and uh, and 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 you the one thing you can be sure of is it doesn't last forever and uh, so i've really tried to do that every opportunity i've had to just stop and soak it in and so i'm going to miss that and uh, you know it's just great fun doing the whole experience being around the nfl uk community all coming together 
uh, you know, all the good stuff. Working with with Jay Bellanosi is always a pleasure, even with Carlson. You know, so uh, no, it's it's great. Don't go, don't go too far, Nat. Don't go too far. <laughs> well, hey, I'm in a good mood. The, um, <laughs> so all of that's all of that's a shame, but I don't think it's going to affect the the international series long term uh, future here. The season, uh, you'd asked me that a few weeks ago. I would have said yes. I think it's definitely going to start on time. I still think it's more likely to than not because I think the NFL will find a way to, well, actually, let me rephrase that. I think it will happen. Whether it will start exactly on time, first week of September, less likely. They might look at hedging their bets and shifting a few months because they don't, uh, they absolutely can and it's fine. And uh, I've always felt the Super Bowl is quite pivotal in this because I feel that they will want to play the Super Bowl in front of fans. I, I, I can't see a reason why they wouldn't delay the start of the season for a few months if they felt that gives us twice as much of a chance of playing the Super Bowl in front of fans. So I don't know if it does, and I don't know exactly what the maths are, but I guess if, and it might mean, given what's happening in Florida at the moment, moving it from Tampa, and if that's even reasonable, if that's even feasible. But I, I feel that they, the NFL must be thinking a bit about that to play a Super Bowl without a, without a fan base if they can avoid it if that means delaying things a few months i guess that's something that that is on their mind but at the moment america is uh, and a different i was reading an, uh, the new york times article today about pittsburgh which had been really uh, i think three weeks ago they'd reported zero on one day zero new cases and now it's seen a massive spike so pittsburgh being one of the areas or the cities that had been uh, least affected or certainly seem to have stabilized things is now suddenly spiking again so it's a mm. it's obviously a vast and complex country and a pandemic is a very difficult thing you know to to to, to manage and particularly in relation to the structure of the league do we end up with a bubble situation like the nba are doing like maybe i don't know there's so many different questions but it's looking less likely than it did a few weeks ago but i still think it will happen because there's too much money at stake Mm. Yeah, it certainly seems with the, the steps that the the NFL are taking, obviously shortening the the preseason, and obviously now college, the college got uh, some of the conferences just playing in conference games as well. It just yeah. depends on. I think I think if you if you if, uh, I'm trying to think of a of a simile, but if you think, uh, I don't think it depends how much, how many more jabs the box can take before he goes down, isn't it? Right. Kind of approach. Um, but like I say, it depends who the, bo- the box standing up is. If it's Muhammad Ali, you're going to be all right. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. But, but there we go. But yeah, no, I, I think you know. With with the things that the NFL can do, I, I can't see why we we wouldn't have a season. It just depends on on when it starts and, and kind of in what in what context. But I think you're right now with the with the Super Bowl, you, you're going to have to play that in front of in front of fans uh, at the very least, and maybe you know, caveat that with maybe playoffs as well. So um, yeah, no, I'm fully fully with you on that. Sean, any any thoughts on that? No, I, I completely agree. I think you know I've said for a while now. I think it will start on time. I think it's almost inevitable. It's going to start behind closed doors, um, and fingers crossed we can get fans back into the stadiums later on yeah. during the season. Um, I think you know that that has to be the way. You mentioned Florida there. You know, I was supposed to go to Florida on holiday a few weeks ago, and oh man, reading reading what it's like now. I'm certainly glad I didn't. Let's put it that way. Yeah, um, right. So yeah, I, th- I think it's almost inevitable. Fingers crossed, we can we can get up and running. Um, but like you say, I think certainly for the playoffs and moving forward, that they'll they'll definitely want fans in the stadiums. Um, so fingers crossed. Sean, on the plus side, if there isn't uh, 
football doesn't start on time in September, at least we can console ourselves with the fact that we could probably get together for a beer and watch West Ham Villa in the Championship. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me, mate. Sounds good to me. <laughs> And on that note, we'll, we'll wrap this one up. So now, obviously, do you want to tell everyone uh, that uh, lives, either lives under a rock or um, f- for some reason does not know who you are and, and all the good work that you do, just uh, time to, as you would say, plug, uh, plug time. Plug time. Well, the best uh, thing to go to, uh, you know, the quickest thing to go to is either my Twitter handle, at Nat Coombs, but uh, more importantly, our ESPN show, uh, at the NC show, uh, the Nat Coombs show, which is on all good podcatchers. Uh, go and check it out. I mentioned some of the guests that we've had on already. A lot of the NFL UK uh, community that you'll know, regulars, Neil, J-Bell, Carlson, uh, Nicky Bandini, Ben Isaacs, great crew. But we also get a lot of the ESPN US guys as well. So Matthew Berry, who I go way back with. Um, Mike Tannenbaum uh, is on next week, uh, who is, is terrific. Uh, Field Yates, uh, real sort of cross-section of, of the ESPN US talent, Olofsky as well. Uh, so it's a good crew. So yeah, uh, we... Uh, Coming the new season, we're going to be dropping three times a week at the moment. We're once or twice a week uh, right now, so keeping busy. And lots of good different shows out there as well as new stuff. We did a book special recently with Stig Abel, who's um, uh, the new uh, breakfast show presenter at Times Radio, uh, who uh, used to edit the Times Literary Supplement. So he's terrific book recommendations there. Did a couple of movie ones, with one with Vernon Kay, uh, one with Tom Deacon, the comedian, uh, sports movies. So yeah, lots of good fun stuff. Uh, outside of um, uh, yeah, outside of all the news as well. One other thing I wanted to plug actually. So we make uh, that show for SPN, and we're launching a new show, uh, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners will like their baseball as well. We're launching a baseball show uh, with Johnny Gould and Josh Chetwin uh, from the old Channel Five days, called the Johnny and Josh Show, which mm. uh, is so just trailers just dropped, and the first episode I think goes live. Uh, this weekend so uh, harry uh, the producer who i've worked with a lot and collaborated a lot with over the years from back in the americanish days as well uh, he's all over that and we're making that and johnny and josh are great uh, eric eric as well uh, all the old crew then so if you like your baseball and remember that go- those guys then uh, you might want to check that out too yep we'll certainly yeah do uh, do the business and, and retweet that stuff out but yeah obviously now we're keen uh, avid listeners of you and, and your work and uh, love, the, love the work you do for the game here um so yeah that's just going to wrap it up thanks. for the for the podcast obviously thanks to for, for uh, to sean for joining me and obviously thanks to nat the fabulous nat coombs for joining us uh taking time out of his day to do so i've been timothy lamb monk i've been your host we will speak to you very soon indeed in the great words of kevin cadle it's a bye-bye for now a bye-bye Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.